0: Good evening everyone. Rins, um, St. Paul, the second reading, um, uh, his focus would be, or what he would want you to focus on, uh, is on Christ. And uh, in typical Paul fashion, he presents it in the way he did, making it very difficult <laughs> to explain. Uh, so that's the best I'm going to do with Paul tonight. He wants you to, <laughs> I'm going to move right on. Um, he, he presented it the way he did uh, because he wants you to focus on Christ, and he just presented it in these contrasting ways, uh, which uh, kind of is baffling. Uh, but it is what it is. Huh? My friends, um, in 587 B.C., the Jewish temple was destroyed. And um, from that point on, um, uh, there were uh, what you would know as the Lost Tribes of Israel, there was 10 of them. And, uh, oh, Father, that's great. Well, here's the thing uh, they were not only lost physically, they were lost spiritually. Without the temple, uh, they had begun to lose their spirituality. And um, uh, there are 12 tribes. So there are two that later on would learn from the mistake of the other 10. And they built what is known as. synagogue. They're a little bit different from each other. And um, one of the things uh, about Mark, and uh, he likes to present things in a unique way, and uh, one of the things that the Pharisees and the scribes would have been were old. Um, Mark doesn't tell us that, but uh, the other ones do let us know. And um, when we read all of Mark's gospel, this perspective becomes uh, very uh, well, uh, put out. And um, my friends, one of the things about um, our reading uh, today is that um, it would have been extremely unlikely that the man in the synagogue um, would not have been a And quite clearly, uh, it didn't work. And um, One of the things that Mark presents to us is this encounter of Jesus of Nazareth with um, someone in the synagogue, and um, sometimes truthful statements come from really unexpected places, and this is the case with the gospel. Um, When Jesus enters the synagogue in Capernaum, no one expected of man certainly of his age, Jesus, remember he's about 33, uh, to have such wisdom and to have such authority. Uh, But uh, the other thing about it is no one expected this man, uh, first of all, to be in the synagogue. Um, uh, He is possessed. In this case, uh, this is a possession. Uh, We know that people in Jesus' time, when they had illness, they were said to be possessed. But uh, we know the difference by the way the evangelists speak. And this is the case here. This is an actual possession. And um, uh, he would not have been he would have been prevented from coming into the synagogue because he would have been unclean. And uh, so there's many things going on. Um, but from uh, this man, from the thing that is in him, something is proclaimed an absolute truth. And yet his words addressed to Jesus are profoundly beautiful, but it comes from a nasty thing. And uh, Mark, uh, the whole of what Mark's trying to communicate in this gospel is found in this interaction. Um, We are told that uh, the thing that is uh, destroying the man says, I know who you are. Uh, You are the Holy One of God. And uh, the The demon does not use Jesus' name because in Jesus' time, uh, to have the person's name is to have somewhat authority over them. And uh, Mark certainly lets us know the demon's there, but cannot pronounce Jesus' name because it has no authority over him. As a matter of fact, we see just the opposite. Jesus speaks with great authority, and he does so very gently. Uh, uh, The demon's acting crazy, but Jesus is like, shh, come out of him. You can almost say it, shh, be quiet, get out. I mean, get out of the synagogue, you know. Uh, and we see the violence that the Spirit is doing, because we're told it throws the man onto the ground. It was there that the beautiful truth of God's inspired word in the Hebrew scripture was proclaimed. Oddly enough, um, the people become fascinated by what appears to be a miracle, rather than what the demon says. Um, We are told a rabbi taught the meaning of the scriptures and led the people in prayer in a synagogue. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was acknowledged as a rabbi, a teacher. Later, the people would come to recognize him as a prophet, uh, not merely a teacher, but one who actually taught with authority something different from the Pharisees and scribes. He actually spoke in the voice of God. They would kill him for it. Jesus went to synagogue on the Sabbath. When he accepted the role of the rabbi on some of those occasions, we are told that uh, he uh, acted as rabbi. In this case, he fulfills the very promise of Moses that we heard in the first reading, uh, who declared to the people, a prophet like me, Will the Lord your God raise up from among your own kinsmen? To him you shall listen. And of course, in Moses' time, they didn't listen to him, and they're not going to listen to Jesus. When Jesus began to teach in the synagogue of Capernaum, we are told the devil thing called out to him. First he asked, what are you doing here? Have you come to destroy us? So he's trying to engage Jesus in the conversation. Hey, how's it going, bro? (laughs) What you doing? You know, he's trying to become familiar. And he says, finally, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And by irony, the unclean spirit testifies to the identity of Jesus. The thing is, is the thing inside the man does not believe him. Believe, does not have faith in Jesus, does not uh, want to love Jesus. He just simply knows who he is. I know who you are. Then Jesus confirmed the testimony of the unclean spirit by his action. He drove him out. Silence come out of him. Something that the Pharisees and scribes could not do for this poor man who probably suffered years under the oppression of this demon. St. Mark gives us this extraordinary story in the life of Jesus because he wanted us to understand the primary purpose of the incident was not to attract us to Jesus as a miracle worker or some magician, but to his true identity, which none of them seem to have got in that synagogue, that he is the Holy One of God. St. Paul had Uh, much the same commitment in mind when he observed what we heard about the celibate people uh, could uh, and should be concerned with the things of the lord and uh, sometimes they can be divided and um, married or unmarried uh, we are all called to dedicate ourselves unselfishly to the holy one of god jesus of nazareth my friends later in his public ministry Jesus would give a sermon in that very same synagogue in Capernaum in which he would say something that would baffle them. He would, uh, and you will find this in John's, six, John's Gospel, the sixth chapter, Jesus would tell them that he would give his body and blood for them and that they must eat and drink it. our first ancestors in the new faith, Christianity, continued to go to synagogue on the Sabbath. Then after they would go to synagogue, they would meet to celebrate what we understand as the Eucharist in someone's home. When the Gentiles began to enter the church, the synagogue service of scripture reading and sermon, uh, if you will, and prayer was combined then with the Eucharist. And this would happen on a Sunday. What we would see is the Word and the sacrament, the scriptures and the Eucharist. What we understand is liturgy of the Word, then liturgy of the Eucharist, what we're going to do today, this evening. And it became so intimately connected that they formed but a single act of worship that we know as the Mass. Every Sunday we are privileged to share in this act of worship, which we call the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. My friends, Jesus is with us in word and sacrament, just as he was in that synagogue in Capernaum. The Church reminds us, it is Christ himself who speaks to us when the Holy Scriptures are proclaimed in the liturgy. It is really Christ who speaks to us in the sound of human words. the Church proclaims with faith and confidence and love that it is Christ himself who comes to us in his body and blood under the appearances of bread and wine, which we call the Holy Eucharist or Holy Communion. And this fulfills the promise of Jesus in the synagogue of Capernaum that he would give us his very body to eat and give us his blood to drink, that we may have life. In the celebration of every Mass, we are given the opportunity to embrace this mystery, to come to believe it, to come closer then to Jesus as he was known then of Nazareth, or as we understand him, Jesus the Christ, the Holy One of God. Something that you hear with your ears, but you must accept with your heart this truth. And I pray that this will come to your hearts and that not only will it come to your hearts, but that you will practice it in your lives every single day. there's a caution that I worry about. In 587 B.C., when the temple fell and the people didn't have a place to go and worship and their faith began to fail them. And that's why they were called the lost ones. And Jesus said, I've come to gather these lost ones back again. The other two tribes learned and built the synagogue I worry about us, especially in a time when churches have to be locked. The people also will disconnect and begin to lose their faith. We need to remember, just as they did back then, the danger of that. This is the hierarchy of Mother Church please read the Old Testament and do not forget but do everything in your power to make sure that the doors are open and that the sacrifice of the Mass is celebrated every day every Sabbath with dignity and respect and honor to assist the people so that they may not become lost huh? My friends, when I was ordained a transitional deacon, is what they would call me, Deacon Dale was a permanent deacon. (laughs) He became a deacon and he would stay that way, Uh, even in heaven, Peggy, even in heaven. That's the way it is um, when it comes to bishops, priests, and deacons in our church. When we leave this world, we go there and we remain a bishop or we remain a priest or remain a deacon. I often laugh. I'm going to ask Deacon Dale, so Deacon Dale, are you working? <laughs> What's going on? Are you in the deacon section? Are you working? Uh, so I know what to expect when I get there besides all the beauty. huh? My so when I was ordained a deacon it is then that I uh, that the priest, people think that when I become a priest is when I take my pledge and my vows, but no it's when I became a deacon. And um, in that moment, um, we pledge, now the word is used, pledge, rather than vow. We pledge obedience uh, to the bishop, and I will do that, always. And uh, we pledge to try to live simply, and you know how my, you know, me and what I say, I simply must have <laughs> this and that, and, but I will always try to live simply, um, and to remain chaste in word and thought and deed. But at that time, the very same words that the permanent deacon hears, the transitional deacon hears, and it says, receive the gospel of Christ who herald you have become. Believe what you read. Teach what you believe. And practice what you teach. So I ask you to pray. Pray. For all of the bishops, for all of the priests, for all of the deacons of our church, that we never forget those very first words at our very first ordination. Receive the gospel of Christ, whose herald you are. Teach what you believe and practice what you teach always. Amen. My friends, over 2,000 years ago in that synagogue in Capernaum, our Lord and Savior approached the people. That thing spoke truth, but did not believe in it, did not love it, did not adore it, did not honor it. It just knew. I wonder about our people. You know Jesus, but do you love him? Do you adore him? Do you believe in him? Is he the Holy One of God to you? I pray that you, unlike them, know and believe and adore. The other amazing thing to me was Jesus let that thing live. Call them out. Just come out, go. A reflection of who God is and what he does. So, my brothers and sisters, pray. Pray for that faith and that strength always in your heart to know who he is, to believe who he is, and to live your life accordingly. Amen.